cigar here that I got. This cigar that is looming on the table. Yeah. It's an actual Cuban cigar. Okay. Like from Cuba. But the very curious thing, my sister says, here, I got something for you. She hands it to me, and I'm looking at it. She tells me the story. So, and it is actually Cohiba. <laughs> yeah. Um, it apparently, because she works in the tea industry, they work globally, right? They source things globally. And some of the people develop relationships with those people, not like sexy relationships, but, you know, get to know each other because they spend a lot of time together. Apparently, somebody was working with one of their clients in the Middle East, one of their suppliers in the Middle East, and a just plain-ass brown package shows up at the tea company with this guy's name and address on it. And that's the only way anybody, right, so just plain-ass brown package shows up, and they open it up, and it's full of... Cuban cigars from the Middle East. So, well, yeah, because it's why probably not? a very illegal <laughs> cigar. Yeah. Um, we can get them now, right? No. The embargo still. I thought the embargo was off. Not on the cigar. No. Not on cigars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you certainly can't get. You can't get Cuban cigars. You can get Cuban like cigars. Dominican Republic Dominic, yeah. cigars, yeah, yeah, Cuban seed, uh, but but I don't know. You can get them. You just gotta know somebody <laughs> who knows somebody from the Middle East, I guess. But that's like all the way around the world. That that, that is like <laughs> such a that's such a mean old man cigar because that's like about a fifty eight ring, yeah. five inch, yeah, or four and a half inch long. It's like a know. prop. Yeah, it's like a prop <laughs> cigar. That thing. It, it's what three inches long? Four, uh, four, four, four maybe inches. four inches long. I mean. It's like a fucking prop. Yeah, yeah, by the time you chop off a little bit of the end there and you get the whole fucking thing lit. Oh, my you know, God. You, you're, you put it down. This is a chew-on-it cigar, I think. Yeah, it's the <laughs> one that you sit there and uh, Rocky's trainer is holding it out the there side of go. his mouth. <laughs> there you Wolverine's go. gnawing on it. There you I go. don't know. I, re- I actually really like those cigars because, like... A whole a whole big, long, like, 10-inch cigar can get too much by the end. Yeah. Very much so. Like if you're smoking like a Churchill or something like that or a Lonsdale or something, one of those like six and a half inch long cigars. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, who has the time? You're going to be sitting there for like two hours with this damn thing if you smoke it straight through. Yeah. You've got a choice. Take acid or smoke a cigar. Second of all... The cool Similar thing, time consumption. The cool thing I like about the sh- the shorter, bigger cigars is I feel like the bigger ones kind of burn a little bit cooler. Not as hot. Yeah, not as hot. I, this is a really big ring size for me. I like them about like this. Second of all, favorite. they don't get they don't get like really bitter because you've only got like I don't know three, three inches, inches of before smoking. you're burning like, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like by the time it starts getting really bitter and gross, you're throwing it away. Yep. You know, so yeah, I because yeah, you know you're going to be drinking, so you forget about the fucker. You know, four or five times, where'd I leave it? Yeah, you know, next to the scotch. You know, where it should be. Yeah, because <laughs> nobody here drinks cognac. Well, I, I, I wouldn't. True. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably a fifty to fifty. That, that's a fifty dollar cigar. Oh, he's probably yeah. 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 But it's all the way around the world. It's like very well traveled too. So yeah, the shipping and. Right? Getting it from that side of the world to this side of the world? From Cuba to the Middle East, back to here. Oh, come on. They flew that shit over in a private plane. I, who knows? Who knows? You have no it's idea. every day you get an illegal cigar. So. And it might be real. It, <laughs> it might be. It probably is. 
It well, probably is. I mean, just the shady way that they had to get it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. Cuban cigars are the most counterfeited item in the world. There is nothing more counterfeited than Cuban cigars. So, you never really know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to find out. I don't expect it to be any different than any other cigar I have or ever have had or any of that. But we'll find out. Not today. I'm going to wait until it's a little bit cooler. Because... And you might want to be a little more sober before you start. Could you smoke a cigar in this weather right now? No. Oh, I could. Fuck, you're lucky I drove over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll smoke that yeah. right now. That, that, by the way, explains the white noise in the background. Fans, tough. Deal with it. Yeah. And uh, if you hear this a lot, that's John's feet literally in an ice bucket because it's a little warm here. I don't know if you watch national news lately. And Tyler's too damn cheap to buy a fucking not air conditioning talk, unit. Not to talk about the weather. And Even all, though he yeah. knows that there's a summer that happens every year. Don't, we don't normally need one. I may have to get one because I think from here on out it's only going to be higher, You're older. higher every year. You're older. That too. You know, comfort and is I, a thing. I get pretty you cruddy. You respect it. I get pretty cruddy. Uh, Do you use the AC in your truck? Yes. And you spend less time in your truck than you do in your home. I I have put 500 miles on my truck since we turned 200,000. You spend less time in your truck than you do in your home, and you use the AC in that. It had crossed my mind to just sit in the truck with the AC on in the driveway (laughs) and it running. Well, bounce between your truck and mine. (laughs) To record. (laughs) Well, all three vehicles out there. It had crossed my mind. His AC works better. His car is newer. (laughs) There's that. Oh, yeah. I was driving here, and I was like, Damn, this is good AC. <laughs> because like it's it's so weird. Like, um, yeah, this is like the first nice car I've had. Kind of. Well, yeah, my van actually had AC. It did? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, damn. But like it, it broke in like the mid nineties, and <laughs> I was just like, why bother? You know, I I, I had it. quick, Karen. <laughs> I had Rip that it. shit out. It's just taking up fucking space. I had it fixed like once or twice, and it, it just kept turning into like, you know, $500 every season. And I was like, what's the point? Yeah, it's a boat. Throw yeah. Up, yeah. Bust yeah. out another thousand. Yeah, and I was just like, you know, what's the point? And so, like, you know, I got my motorcycle, which I thought about riding here, but I was like, no. Ugh. This is the kind of heat where, like, it actually is hotter. You're not going to be able to breathe. Yeah, I was like, yeah. it's really not Well, a and you're idea. smart. You wear leathers. That's the thing. That's uh-huh. the thing. I was like, yeah, no, it's going to be really uh, Unless bad. you've got a camelback with water yeah. as, you're, no. as you're riding that some bitch. Even then. Even then. No, I was like, I think it might be too hot. Because, yep. like, I looked out and, like, you know, my road is where all the motorcycle clubs, like, ride up and down there. And there's nobody riding today. So I was just no. like. Okay, yeah, not a good idea, so I didn't. And then it's like, I got my car, and I was like, this is so different from, like, 1970s air conditioning, where, <laughs> where like, in a 1970s car or something like that, like a Dodge Dart or something, you'd be, like, leaving the windows down for half an hour until the Before air conditioning kind of got going. Yep. And, like, now, it's like, I'm like a hundred... I go click, and it's... I'm like, <laughs> right away. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, well, what the hell... Well, you know, was there a discovery of some sort of, like, 11th law of thermodynamics that happened there? Like, how did this all of a sudden just get instantly better? How did that happen? Humanity. I was like, it was pretty sad because it's just like, you know, America invented air conditioning, but it took it going over to Japan to perfect it. Like, that's, like, ridiculous. Yeah, is and it me or did conservation of energy start working uh, differently? <laughs> and it's like, especially like, why does like, how, how is it that you get like air conditioning to work better in like 
cheesy four-cylinder small-engine Japanese cars compared Didn't to like the giant 1975 1970s boat. 460 V8. <laughs> that doesn't have enough. But the you know the ja- plus of Japan. Jesus. Like do they do they use air conditioning there? I don't know. I don't, does it get hot there? It's a freaking know. island. They don't we, drive. We've got a show. They to take do. public transportation. <laughs> what are they doing making cars? I I don't understand that. Okay. Have you you know what Sony means, right? Soon to own New York. Right, we've done. They're trying. All right, gentlemen, we got a show to do. Oh, 104 just, degrees right now. Oh, fuck. We got a show to do. Gentlemen. Started out with it. Yeah. All right. You, you damn fucked good. up by calling right, us right, gentlemen. Now you know cameras. what you're in. Motherfuckers. Yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> We are Ruin Heroes, a weekly free and self-produced podcast wherein the three of us irreverently discuss a topic of societal renown. I, Tyler, study like a guy who may climb a mountain. John. I just want to sit there and be crazy for a long time. <laughs> and Rupert. I'm wearing a skirt. Don't bother me. <laughs> to be right. Apropos. It's a kilt. <laughs> uh, so please subscribe and leave good ratings and reviews on whatever a podcast. Skirt. Yeah, I'm wearing a manly man skirt. I'm a manly man. I do manly things in manly ways. That's like I'm actually, you know, I might be like you guys think. Chuck down trees. You guys might think I'm heels, like suspenders, wearing bra. Uh, cologne, but it's actually ball sweat. All right. So please subscribe and leave good ratings and reviews on whatever podcast feed you get us through. It is free for you. And a little it helps bit, us. Yeah. To interact with us, we are Roman Heroes Pod at Gmail, as well as easily found on Facebook and Twitter, where you get weekly hints. Say hi if you drop by. We dig it when you do. If you'd like to help with the cost of the show, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash ruinedheroes and get extra content for just a buck a month. There are links in the show notes as well as on our website, ruinedheroes.com, where you can also access older episodes, like 150 older episodes that are not on the standard feed. Uh, thank you to those of you who do give. We do. You're awesome. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah. You've allowed us to do this for three years now. Yeah. It's only been three years. Four. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, so intro. <laughs> This is, <laughs> this is a quote by the topic. I'm a poet, and I like my lies the way my mother used to make them. <laughs> Jim Carroll. No, not, not bad, though. Uh, this is from a 1915 Vanity Fair profile on the topic. A legend has been built up around his name. He is a myth. No other man has so many strange tales told about him. This is Wally Whitman? No, but kind of the right wheelhouse. This is a quote by Jimmy Page. Yes, that Jimmy Page. Oh, God. Uh, He was expounding a theory of self-liberation. I've employed his system in my own day-to-day life. The thing is to come to terms with one's free will, discover one's place and what one is. And from that, you can go ahead and do it and not spend your whole life suppressed and frustrated. But what, but what was that 1915 quote? Yeah. So this is an older person. Correct. Well, uh, not I've anymore. Got, I've They're got dead one, person. I've got one quote, and that's actually something oh. that I, I honestly live by. I've got one more, and let's see if he gets it from the one more. Khalil Gibran? Ooh, no, but you're getting closer. Khalil Gibran, very yeah. close, but yeah. You were getting close. The prophet is awesome. This is also Read it. a Good quote stuff. by the topic. Magic is a science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with the will. Would I know this person? Absolutely. Oh, yes. 100%. All right, go ahead, John. Do what thou wilt, and it be the whole of the law. Mm. 
Really? I don't know. It's hot. I can't think. I, I'll give you that. Yeah, well, amount I'll of give you that. caring <laughs> is extremely low. Yeah, to be fair, though, Rupert, you're not being able to think is still... Like, if you were to think at half power, it's still, it's still better three than times most. what most people do. <laughs> Man, I'm drawing a blank here on this one. Uh, there's a song by Black Sabbath about him. <laughs> so I'm going to hate it when you tell me who this is. Yeah, you're going to hate yourself. How about Mr. Crowley? Oh, fuck. I Creepy guessed Crowley. him 20 zillion times on previous <laughs> shows. And I never thought of Alistair Crowley as a poet. Oh, he did. Uh, I don't know that anybody else did. Uh, yeah, he well, considered himself really funny. He did write a lot of poetry. Yeah. A lot of really oh, kind of shitty God. poetry. Just because you write things doesn't mean you are yeah. talented. Uh, yeah, I think that's so true. Just because you put doesn't mean you're Concentrating on somebody who was recognized as a poet. He wrote more poems that, or poetry books than anything oh, else. But we'll get into it. Fucking golden shower dawn. Something special. Um, sources. Openculture.com. Scholarworks.gsu.edu. Oxford or dnb.com and Britannica.com. Uh, Chase Nice. You want some more water? I pause. Let's pause. Yeah. So, born Edward Alexander Crowley on October 12th, 1875, in Leamington Spa, <laughs> Warwickshire, England, uh, to Emily Bertha Bishop, was her maiden name, and Edward Crowley. The couple had one other child who died in her infancy. Happened. Dad's family owned Crowley's Alton Ales, and he retired on his inheritance from that adventure, uh, even though he was trained as an engineer. So, like, Dad was educated but lived off the family's beer money. Well, everybody's a starving artist. I Kind of, yeah. Okay, um, what kind of engineer? Are he, we talking trains or I, respectable? I don't know what engineers <laughs> did in the 1800s, whatever that was. Um, uh, where was it? Oh. He was born into a Quaker family, but eventually became an evangelist for the Plymouth Brethren, a fundamentalist, fundamentalist Christian sect. This means Dad was around a lot of, and, and pretty strict. He would reportedly read a chapter from the Bible to his wife and son every morning after breakfast. Uh, this training gave Edward Alexander a healthy understanding of Christianity and the Bible. Young Edward Alexander also uh, lived a pretty sol- in pretty solid comfort because, you know, the money. Uh, despite Dad's being a bit of a pain in the ass, and he, like many kids who grew up with that kind of privilege, was known to lash out and be unruly. He was so misbehaved that his mother took to calling him the Great Beast, which it appears he enjoyed. So he's like eight, and Mom's already calling him the Great Beast. <laughs> well, yeah, he got a he got a heart on from it. Yeah, it's it, it's stuck totally. around forever. <laughs> I know what you're up to, but the microphone is over here. <laughs> so. I'm gonna go hide. <laughs> Tell you what, why don't I just phone this in from my truck with the AC oh, going? Jesus. Uh, when Edward Alexander was 11, his dad died from tongue cancer. Just fucking Cuban I cigars. I read that a bunch of times. Cuban cigars, baby. That's what it is. Tongue cancer takes you out. Man, I bet you that's a really physically ugly cancer. Probably physically hideous, yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is probably a Google search and, I like, really don't need to be do. But no, don't. No, nope. no, please don't. No. I don't know that we need this gruesome shit. Um, so, yeah, Dad died from tongue cancer. Uh, this left the young Crowley not only fatherless but, and without someone he claims to have admired, but also rather well-to-do as he got one-third of Dad's fortune. He's 11. It also saw a change in young Crowley. He started acting out more at school, even or even more than he had previously. 
and he was punished repeatedly, possibly abused by modern standards because they'd whack you when, <laughs> when you were getting out of line in schools back then. Corporal punishment was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and he ended up leaving school. At 13, he was caught having sex with one of the maids. She was fired and ended up living life on a street. There are rumors that she may have been one who jacked the Ripper's victims. I don't make it up. I just read it. Still, he scored at 13. That's, yeah, that's with the good. maid. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> mom she's, and, like, she's mom screwed. Okay, honestly, on if she doesn't, you know, he, he's going to make up a story if she doesn't fuck him and get her fired. And then if she does fuck him and they find out, she's going to get fired. So she's getting fired she one got way or fired another. Either way, yeah. You don't have to me too this, John. <laughs> we know what's wrong. <laughs> Like Life all the on way the street, around, man. it's a whole circle of wrong. We know that. So, I, really, you're the one that's going to wear the SJW <laughs> boots today. <laughs> He's in a skirt. Flip flops. Yeah. <laughs> so oddly, he didn't leave school due to behavior. He left because of his awful health. He was often ill in his youth, and that coupled with his terrible behavior was enough for him to take a break. He then went to a couple of good schools again, going back to school, attempting to get the education expected of someone of his stature. He repeatedly spoke out uh, to his Christian teachers about the inconsistencies in the Bible, as well as a bunch of other ludicrous shit. Uh, But these were the sticking, the Christianity thing was the sticking point for most of the the professors. Uh, He left them both after only a few months at each of these schools. So, like three months here, three months there, off he goes... Rupert's making cocktails. Uh, he is now in his teens. Um, he was very well known to go against the beliefs of his family in schools. He was well known to smoke, drink, masturbate, and visit sex workers. Oh, God, yeah, because it, masturbation will fucking send you straight to hell. Yeah. Well, I mean... Here, you can put some of that in there. Very, very Christian upbringing, right? Oh. Electrolytes. <laughs> okay. No. Um, so, like, he's in his teens, though. Uh Visiting all the sex workers eventually gave him gonorrhea. Uh, (laughs) Guy's just... He's problematic and he's not even in his 20s yet. Um, This is the last straw for mommy and she sent him off to live with her brother, Tom Bond Bishop. Are you sure that this isn't the true story of something that's happening today? Because I swear I've seen this on some of these fucking intervention shows. I know. It's the exact same shit. Mom's fucking had it. Go live with your uncle. Uh, Tom Tom Bond was a very strict guy uh, who probably abused Edward as well. It was during this time that he started to go by Alistair. Uh, many think he took the name from one of Shelley's works, but uh, whatever. He also started seeking out magic, or as he would come to define it, magic with a K. So if you see magic with a K, it's mostly Crowley that did that. He managed to stay in, in, the, in the new school long enough to become a prominent member of the chess team, start writing poetry, and as well, or and develop a liking for mountain climbing. So, naturally, like a Trustafarian would do, he started climbing mountains. And by 1894, he was roughly 19 or 20, uh, he joined the Scottish Mountaineering Club and made it to the top of a number of the Alps during a few trips there. Now, I'll give him credit for actually trying new things. Yeah. Yeah, but I, still, this is a guy you really want to punch. You, well, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. You, you really want to punch this like, guy. Yeah, I mean, this this yeah. is like... Yeah, the, the reason for trying new things is because he has the money to do it. To just wander off and tool off to the Alps and climb mountains. Yeah. That's, that's I guess. Um, that's like going to Idaho. Yeah, but it's the <laughs> 1800s. Going to Idaho in the 1800s was a little bit longer. No, I, they had trains. 
19, early 1800s. Yeah, going, to late cl- going to climb an Alp is not a cheap endeavor. No. No, it's not. It's but like it's, getting there is like the cheapest part of the entire thing. Yes. And then you've got the gear and yeah. the people you hire and then the, and the, and the, and the yeah, he was, he you've, was you've into got it though. Sherpas. Yep. Yep. You know, you've got to take along a lot of bait goods. <laughs> Mix up some pemmican. So, in 1895, he was off to Trinity College. He was off to Trinity College at Cambridge, where he would study natural sciences and philosophy, as well as continue to kick ass at chess and mountain climbing. He hung with it for about two years, all the while. I want to beat this guy up. I really want to beat this guy up. When we build a time machine, he's the first person we're punching in the face. (laughs) That's right. I will beat him up wearing my skirt and flip-flops. Yeah, you wouldn't I'll probably go be toe hard. To toe. Yeah. If you wear the skirt, he's probably going to try to fuck you. It doesn't yeah. sound like he was much of a scrapper. He was busy in the bedroom, but he wasn't much of a scrapper, yeah. I don't think. Well, great fighters of the chess club is a pretty mm. small uh, <laughs> you know, coterie. Yeah. So he, he hung with Cambridge for about two years, all the while continuing to delve deeper into his esoteric side studies. He claims that during a fevered vision he was having one evening... Uh, which was quite. So he was masturbating. Well, it was pro- quite probably drug related. Opium. We're getting there, yeah. Uh, Opium and heroin. He came to the conclusion that all human endeavors are essentially silly and worthless, with the exception of magic. He vowed to give the rest of his life to the pursuit of and study of magic and its different traditions. It's like he's trying to get punched. Yeah. <laughs> no longer in the face, he's trying to get punched in the dick. Yeah. The ding dong. Yeah. Punch him in the ding dong. Kick you in the ding dong. <laughs> Your dingling will stop sailing. So another thing that happened around this time was his beginning exploration into homosexuality. Many biographers note that his first experience con- coincides with what he <laughs> claims was his first spiritual vision in 1896 in Stockholm. So essentially, he takes it up the ass and he's <laughs> spiritually clear all of a sudden. I don't. Know. Well, and one of the. Uh, resources I found actually said that he really disliked the physical act of it but he credits it as one of the turning points in his life and his um, emotional spiritual growth it was definitely a turning point in his spiritual growth yeah but it didn't stop him from taking the which, ass yeah from I, I agree with the look on later. Rupert's face yeah right now, which, which you might be able to hear <laughs> yeah, first of all it's like yeah. it's like yeah. the lightest just yeah <laughs> It's the lightest ass-fucking you can get. I'm going to go to, like, a country known for very attractive people. Stockholm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, go to, like, Armenia and get ass-fucked or something Yeah, you're not not Siberia here. (laughs) You know, it's it's like, I I think you're actually getting ass-fucked more if you're just like, I'm Serbo-Croatian, I've been ass-fucked. You know, I mean, that's an ass-fucking. You know, Stockholm... You know, that's like, you know, that's like really like an ass fucking there is like going down on a chick here. It's like that gay. It's like, it's like very moderate. It's a Tuesday night. Yeah, it's very moderately. I mean, it's not even a Sunday hungover. Yeah. It's a Tuesday night when you got an extra hour after work. Yeah. I mean, I, or a lunch break. I've been through Stockholm. I, I've done it up the ass and baggage claim. It's just like that. It's like, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> With the baggage handler. It's just like, you know. <laughs> so, so. What, the, 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 
the filth that comes out of my mouth. Sometimes it's, yep, it's something. Um, so having not learned you from act the gon- like you have options with that. So having not learned from the gonorrhea, <laughs> can't help it. He he also stuck with his women of the night as well as um, being well known fiend around campus. So he's just kind of fucking everything that moves. Uh, he eventually entered a relationship with the president of the drama club. So now we've got ah! <laughs> <laughs> now we've got the chess club mountaineering guy fucking the drama club president. But he's saying he's not gay. All right. Uh, wow. And and well, wow, he's trisexual. He's going to try anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. And he does. Uh, there's lots more. Um, so this relationship fell apart when Crowley's new guy decided that Crowley. <laughs> Was too into his Western esoteric BS. Um, so Crowley fell ill and became super depressed, both of which were times um, when he would e- go even deeper into the darker recesses of the mystic shit he was digging into. So, he, you know, it was it was this downward spiral thing. So during his last few years, he was also drinking and smoking and it turned into drug use as well. He had discovered at least hashish and opium by this time, if not cocaine as well. Uh, he, was well he was well known Apparently. to consider it uh, yeah, just anything. Consider it a... Again, he was a try-anything guy. Yeah, he was well-known to consider it part of his magical pursuits. Um, oh, yeah, justifications get are real right high, up there. Get real high, you uh-huh. see God, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> like, right around now, where are we at? Where, are, are we in, like, the 1900? We're very early... Oh, we aren't even... Eight, we aren't even 1900 yet. We're, like, 1897. Uh-huh. Um Still, like, you know... In those times, like, being a libertine was, like, not really... That was a thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, especially if you take your name from Shelley, you might have some interest in it. Well, and he's still kind of living off of mommy and daddy's dime. living off dad's money. who has the the time to create this kind of bullshit in your life? Yeah, like, he's in his Unless you have somebody sitting there just, here you go, Um, you're crazy... Here's money. Stay the fuck away from me. He's still in his very early 20s, and he's doing all this shit. He's climbed some yeah. Alps. He's getting doped up. He's ass-fucking in Stockholm. He's all of this shit. And but he's but in his he, early 20s. My guess is that he didn't actually have a choice about going to the Alps. His parents probably sent him there to get him the fuck away from no, them. No, no, it was his, his choice, because we're about to... Um, so somehow, with all this other crap going on, he managed to make the first unguided ascent of the Monch, which is a 13,500-foot mountain in the Alps and a Facebook hint. Um, it is part of a very well-known. It is part of a well-known climbing group of three mountains called the Big Three. So, like, they're they're the Alps that people climb, and he was the first one to do it unguided. And as much as I have mixed feelings about this fucker, that's actually something that's impressive. It's I mean, pretty it badass. Really it's pretty badass. Um, he also spent some time in Russia because he's just fucking around everywhere. Uh, claiming he was trying to learn the language so he could pursue a career there, maybe as a Russian poet, which he probably would have been good at. But who knows? But this is how you, got, how you get the Russian Revolution. Is this kind of, you know, bourgeois, like, rich kid libertine thing? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's sick of these people. Yeah, in turn of the century, Russia was a good place to fucking hang out. <laughs> Come on, really? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, why don't you just never so, mind? So, <laughs> all of this happened in pretty quick succession, and in 1898, at the age of 23, he joined the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. There you go. There it is. Now we're serious. Yeah, ship has sailed. <laughs> this group was essentially a bunch of mystics derived from the Rosicrucians who devoted their lives uh, to what is commonly called magic. They are highly influential in most modern occult practices and established much of the ritual that we're familiar with in today's Western mysticism. mysticism. Uh, 
generally decent folks, if it was not sometimes a bit crackpot. Uh, as, as part of the initiation, he took on the magical name Peridurabo, which means I will endure. Peridurabo. Peridurabo. Periubu? Peridurabo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, also in 1898, he started self-publishing books of his poetry. These were often pretty long for the time, and hence costly to produce. But who cares with all that sweet family beer money? He also moved into a luxury apartment to be closer to the headquarters of the Golden Dawn. You mispronounced stay the fuck away from me money. I just, it's so... <laughs> stay the fuck away from me money. It's just throwing what that money was. everywhere. Um, in, in what many think was a slick move to progress faster than he was supposed to in the Order, he invited Alan Bennett, an elder in the Order, to live with him. Crowley was soon getting tips and tricks from his new roommate. I think he was uh, getting more than a tip. Maybe. Yeah, quite probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's getting the yeah, whole fucking thing? There's every thing. suspicion. <laughs> suspicion, yeah. Um, this pissed off one of his he rivals. He lost his gag reflex. This pissed off one of his rivals in the order, William Butler Yeats. Yeats? 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 The fuck do you say his name? Yeats. Yeats. Perfect. Uh, who may have, be- may have based his rough beast character in The Second Coming on Crowley. So like, yeah, they, there he, was no love did lost not like between him the two. at all, at all. No love lost yeah. at all. They um, so Crowley got Crowley and Bennett got into the ritual drug use pretty heavily, and Crowley was turning into a much dark or turning to a much darker path than he had previously been traveling. Bennett split to Southern Asia to study Buddhism, and Crowley had been tiring of all the hubbub involved with being a member of the Golden Dawn. You know those pesky rules and shit. So he moved away from the organization first in practice and then physically. In 1899, so much stuff, such a short time. He purchased the property that would become part of his legend forever. Stay the fuck away from me, money. Really, now, now, get a piece of property. Buying land. And stay the fuck away from me, money. Well, he he buys the Bullskeen house, which is on the banks of Loch Ness, and is another Facebook hint. Extremely famous house. Uh, The house and estate would have developed their own (laughs) reputation for being haunted uh, since Crowley lived there, so it's, it's long been considered haunted. Uh, he was well known for all manner of sexual rituals, demon summonings, and other crazy shit that he got up to. The house was eventually the place of where a World War II major killed himself, and some guy left his blind wife to wander the halls alone before eventually being found. So, like, nothing good came of the house after Crowley was there. Except it was later purchased by Jimmy Page, and is where his dog, simply named Black Dog, lived and inspired that song. It has since burned to the ground twice, and the second renovation was started in 2019. Great place. (laughs) Crowley really got into his sex and drug magic at Bolskine House. He would host long parties, or rituals, depending on what you want to call them. He would work to summon demons and conjure deities and all that. orgies. Yeah, and all that deep magical followers do as as part of their religion. So, Um, uh, Friday night in the Hollywood Hills. Probably, kind of like, yeah, eyes wide shut. Um, Crowley was just more crazed about all of this than most normal people. Uh, he was also working well outside the expectations of the Golden Dawn, as they were against his bisexuality, drug use, and generally lavish debauchery. So, when he applied for his next rank in the Order, they denied him, and he pretty much told them to fuck off. He was going to take his toys and go elsewhere, which he did. No longer part of the Golden Dawn. First, he took off to Mexico. <laughs> Wow, that's a bit of a jump. At least he didn't go to France. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's usually the first, yeah. you know, the first stop is he's France. He's right there. Well, he's not right. a communist. He's a jerk-off. <laughs> so, you know. True. 
And the commies go to France. Yeah. Fascists go to Argentina. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he takes off to Mexico where he hangs out with Oscar Eckstein, another mountain climber, but also a spiritualist. Yeah, Eckstein worked with Crowley on visualization and concentration. The pair also climbed a bunch of fucking mountains. Uh, one of these ascents had to be abandoned partway through when the mountain they were climbing started to erupt. Yeah, that's not a mountain. <laughs> that's called a volcano. <laughs> they didn't know. I guess I. But could you imagine you're like partway up a mountain? And it just you own a map. I, yeah, it I, probably says volcano. I think. Well, you know, not fucking Cambridge. You think? <laughs> Geological surveys. I mean, they've been keeping track of like, oh, I don't know, volcanoes erupting since seventy nine AD. At at a minimum, Unreal. you know, Vesuvius kind of went off and. They thought it was important to keep track of these things. So he then decided to go travel throughout Hawaii and the U.S. and Europe, learning about a number of other uh, Western mystical pursuits. And then he was off to Asia to work his way through the Eastern religions and methods, starting with Hatha Yoga, which he apparently became very adept at. I really need to get a big pile of money. I really need that big pile of money. So you can go back and kick him in the ding-ding? No, just so I can do this kind of stuff, where it's just like, well, I guess I'll go here. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. And he still owns the fucking land in in Scotland. I... So, while in Asia, he and his buddy Eckstein made their... made the work. They made... Yeah. They made the first British-led attempt to climb K2. They didn't make it, but got far enough that others soon tried and succeeded. Crowley supposedly got pneumonia, as well as possibly malaria on that trip. But but that could have been a little bit later. That's a lot of feet. He really looked shitty. This is him climbing K2. Wow, he looks like one of our glorious Eugene residents. (laughs) A skeleton with a beard. I drove by that guy on the way here. Yeah, right? Yeah, no, he's interchangeable with any homeless guy here in Eugene. He's a mess. Yeah. How did I do? That's like, yeah, I follow the dead. (laughs) That's what that face is. Fish! Yeah. Yeah, he looks pretty fucking rough there. So, by 1902, or still in his 20s, he had made his way to France. <laughs> there you go. Where he hung out with August, uh, August, August Rodin. It was Rodin. Rodin. Yeah. The uh, thinker guy. Yeah. Yep. And he wrote a series of poems, which he published about the sculptor and his work. He also met Gerald Kelly in 1903. After returning to the Bolskine house, Crowley married Gerald's sister, Rose Edith Kelly, as a way to keep her, or to help her avoid an arranged marriage. Right. So, like, she was set to be in an arranged marriage, and Carly's like, no, marry me instead. Um, wow, that probably I think that's probably one of the few things that I admire from him. It's like, it's uh, curious. you know what? That's bullshit. You shouldn't be forced to do this. I have a way out. Come marry me instead. You know what? I was expecting to start reading about a green card when I got the, you know, like, oh, okay. No, wait a minute, 1900? This isn't a green card. <laughs> so he, he claims to have fallen in love with her um, uh, during their honeymoon to Paris, Cairo, and Ceylon, and he started to write a bunch of poems about her, so still at the poetry shit. 
writes lots and lots well, yeah, that's, of fucking poetry. That's how guys get chicks. I guess. I don't. How'd it work for you in high school? Looking like that dude. Well, okay, well, <laughs> it worked well. <laughs> you just have to, you have to know what your target audience is. You know, don't shoot outside your target. True. <laughs> Uh, so in 1904, the couple set up house in Cairo, where Rose started having visions. She would tell Crowley that they, that, quote, they are waiting for you, end quote, and eventually explained that they was the god Horus. During another vision, she would lead him uh, to an ancient tablet about death. Crowley, Crowley was quick to notice uh, that the museum, the item's museum number was 666, so he leaned into that. Uh, it was not long before he was communicating with, quote, the voice uh, that was a messenger for Horace. He scribbled madly for about three days and came out with the Book of Law, one of his best-known magical texts. In this book, he lays down the cardinal rule, as John said, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. He also claims to, claim to have been a prophet for the new aeon of the human race. That's, you know, you're This cracking. is what opium, heroin, cocaine... cocaine. And any other substance you and can find, all the fucking uh, laudanum, uh, all the fucking laudanum's just alcohol with heroin in it. Uh, so Rose and Crowley had their first kid, Lilith, in July of 1905, and Crowley wrote some extremely sexual poetry to entertain uh, Rose. The children, as, as she recovered, <laughs> entertain Rose as she recovered. Um, he was also still doing the sex and drug magic thing. He also founded a publishing company to continue putting out his work. Uh, when he didn't feel like it was getting enough attention, he offered a hundred pounds to the person who, would, who could write the best review of his work. Oh, nice. Someone wrote a nice article and got the money, but it didn't seem to help his sales. Wow. Well, it's the same thing that happens. It's like us paying so it's for like, reviews. It's like Amazon reviews. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing that happens now. It's just, you know, uh, search engine optimization. Okay. It happens now. We've just figured out a way to actually refine it and make it sound good. <laughs> Something, though. Your books aren't selling well enough. I'm running a contest. <laughs> How many times do you log into the face uh, into Facebook, into the Ruined Heroes, and see, hey, for only $10... <laughs> Every time I log into uh-huh. the heroes. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I stay away from doing it. Um, it irritates the shit out of me. So then he remembered that he liked to climb mountains again. So he set out with a bunch of guys to climb Kan Kanchenjunga. Kanchenjunga? I don't know. This mountain is supposedly the most dangerous to climb in the world. And sits in the Nepalese Himalayas. Uh, on the way up, the climbers argued almost constantly, which led them to deciding that Crowley was dangerous, and they headed back down the mountain. Crowley told them not to go, and he was right, because an avalanche overtook four of them, and they were killed. It is said that Crowley just sat and watched as these men screamed for help in front of him. This pretty much ruined his reputation for the, uh, with the mountaineers, and he didn't get to climb much more because nobody go with him. <laughs> Well, what are you oh, supposed shit. to do? I don't know, but not just sit there and sip on your cognac and watch your friends go down in an avalanche. Throw them a branch or something, maybe. I don't know. This isn't like he's drowning in the fucking o- in a lake. <laughs> yeah, you don't throw a life preserver. <laughs> if if somebody you do too much more movement, everybody else dies because more avalanche, man. Come if on. somebody is in a situation where they're dying from an avalanche and you're not, you are way too far away to render any aid. I, I don't see what not, you can do here. It's not here. written that way. Like, 
the if the way you're close enough to render aid, you're fucked yeah. too. You're in the avalanche. Exactly. The way they write it, it's like he was sitting right next to it and the avalanche just went down and he just watched his buddies. You're right. No, if he caused is the a rather avalanche, massive thing. Eh. If he caused the avalanche, that'd be different. But why would you do that? Because I, they're kind of well, unpredictable he, by nature. He's an established madman at this point in time. Yeah, what's he got to lose? I mean, his trust <laughs> yeah, fund? right? <laughs> the piece of property that he doesn't even bother to visit? Because <laughs> he's tootling around the fucking world all the time? This is an absolutely incredible beer fortune. <laughs> you know, yeah. just an it amazing... incredible beer fortune. You know. Crowley's Alton Well, they tried to send him to college once. Twice? I don't... Whatever. So, now he heads off to India to do some big game hunting. Because Trustafarian. And write some more lewd-ass poetry. As well as play with the boys who worked on the streets. Uh, he was made He was made to leave the country when he shot two guys he says were trying to mug him. Obviously, they didn't fully believe him because they told him to go. So, keep in mind, uh, he is traveling with his wife and younger daughter all this time. Except when he's going up the mountains. So, like, he's dragging... Rose and this kid all around while he's fucking the boys in the street and yeah, but he, shooting he, he, people down. Yeah, he actually that's that's another testament to that whole fucking beer money fund. Because oh, a lot of people would have actually gone to jail or something like that, mm-hmm. not just say, um, yeah, uh, get out of the. You're country. bad. Why don't you go away? Get out of the country. I shooting people down in the street. <laughs> Jesus. Um, this is when he sends his ladies home and he heads off to Shanghai. Yeah. Where he starts up an affair and ritual practice with Elaine Simpson, an old friend and follower. He then headed to Japan. Just Can't runs into her in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Uh, he then heads off to Japan, then Canada, then New York City, where he failed to get another trip to up the Kanchenjunga Mountain funded because his reputation had gone to shit. Oh, maybe the beer money's starting to run out here, too. Uh, not quite yet. Soon. Uh, <laughs> foreshadowing. I don't know. This is before the age of sponsorship. If you can get people to fund your mountain climbing, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that implies other. I don't know. They didn't even have plastic back then. Like, I don't know how you climb a mountain without plastic. I don't know. You know? Lots of wool. Unbelievable. I mean, it's it's a fucking the guy's accomplished mountaineer. He gets credit yeah. for that. A madman, but uh, he then heads for home. And upon making it to Britain, he is informed that his daughter died of typhoid. (laughs) He immediately blames his wife's boozing. Uh, Oh, really? (laughs) Yep. Really? We're going there. All right. She's drunk. That's why the kid died of typhoid. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she sticks with him anyhow. (laughs) Obviously, no money on her end of the family. That beer money was still there. That beer money was still there. She wanted half. She was half, Eddie. Half. Fucking Elaine in Shanghai, for God's sakes, when your daughter dies. Well, she's going to have to get her cut somehow. Oh, my Lord. You know she was actually fucking replacing the jewels and the fucking necklaces and stuff, right? She's putting fucking paste in those things. Right. Um, he also starts up some short-lived relationships with a handful of actresses. Uh, and pretty much, well, pretty much anyone else who's willing to give him a shot. And in February of 1907, Rose gives birth to their second daughter, Lola Zaza. What a name. Straight to the pole. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's a straight to the pole name. Yep. That you is know? something that I would expect Frank Zappa. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's special. Um, so now he's back to the magical stuff. He decided to found his own order. Uh, it's called the AA, but there's like these three dotted colons. I don't know if you can see them. Between yeah. the A and the A. Yes. Um, I don't know how they did. I had to copy paste that because I don't know what the fucking keystroke shortcut for that shit is. But he founds this thing. Uh, this would later be replicated by any number of gener- um, generally men who found their own religion, including but not limited to L. Ron Hubbard and Jim Jones, both of which cited Crowley as an inspiration. Uh, he spends more money and time publishing his religious texts and establishes what is now known as Thelema, his new religion. Thelema. Thelma. It was all I could do to not type Thelma. Thelma. Yeah. <laughs> There's an extra E, but yeah, it's Thelma. Um, he's running out of money, and his old friend George Bennett gets a hold of Crowley uh, to protect him from evil spirits. So he literally hires Crowley to protect him from evil spirits. Well, that's how Rasputin made his money, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of similarities. Uh, drinking, drugging, fucking, yeah, all of it. Very similar. Uh, Crowley does a good job. Of, of this uh, because he realizes that George is just paranoid from all the coke he's doing and Crowley takes him on a vacation to sober the fuck up or so, give him like, some success. heroin to calm him down <laughs> whatever I don't know but like yeah. success if you're yeah. gonna do this much coke you had to do that much heroin too <laughs> it's, smoke the opium it, buddy it worked you know George quit everything in moderation so paranoid um, Crowley also starts taking on students because again he's running out of money and in the way a religious leader does, he finds Victor Newberg, a young follower, and quickly the two are traipsing around in Tangier. And we all know what happens in Tangier. <laughs> yeah, what happens in Tangier stays in Tangier. Mm-hmm. Go read some burrows. Find out what happens in Tangier. Or so, talk to a Catholic priest, I'll tell you too. <laughs> so, all the while, Rose is falling deeper and deeper into her boozing. Uh, much to Crowley's dismay. And in 1909... Wouldn't you? Right. In 1909, the couple divorce, but she continued to live at the Bolskeen house. Her boozing eventually gets to the point that she is institutionalized in 1911 and might have had something to do with Crowley's growing instability and continual sexual partying. But either way, uh, he was also becoming quite the dominant daddy during these times, so... He was doing a lot of S&M work at the old castle. Uh, well, Evidently not correctly, because otherwise his partner would have been happy. I don't <laughs> know what... Yeah, she was... Yeah. Well, he had all those other partners. He had, you know, the little boy at this point in time. This guy must have had so many diseases at this point. He's got to be Now you know why everybody was STDs, fucked up right? around him. Yeah, he's got to be riddled with STDs. Um, made, made Edie Amin look like a clean room. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, after his divorce in 1909, Crowley ran off to Algeria and studied the Quran for a while. Uh, he's he, still broken. He's fucking traveling the world. I know. I don't get it. And this is when you've got to jump on steamships and do stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it, it's not like, hey, just... And he's just grab a plane. Packing this shit in. Never a fucking dull moment in this guy's life at this point. I don't get it. I figured out how many fucking diseases he's got and he's going to die soon. So so while he was in Algeria, he performed some sex ritual on top of a mountain, followed up by a ritual which included a blood sacrifice uh, in an effort to conjure a demon. He claims it was one of his greatest achievements. <laughs> oh my god. 
So, back to Britain. <laughs> Only discovered this time... Because yeah, <laughs> France doesn't want him anymore. When France says fuck off, you got problems. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, back to Britain. Only discovered this time when he gets back that he's now being sued by the Golden Dawn for publishing their teachings. Um, the, the court eventually rules with Crowley, but not before the publicity gets him back on his feet a bit again. So he starts to make a little bit of money because of publicity. He gains a reputation as a Satanist, which at this point he kind of is, but actual Satanism is not a thing yet. Like Satanism isn't isn't real a thing yet. Um, Crowley is just more into the darker side of his magical pursuits, and, I, and that's why all that conjuring demons and stuff. He soon starts working harder to get students and followers, as well as people he gets to fuck, because that's what he does with all his students and followers, and decides that getting some of the members of his new order to play different deities in what is essentially a stage performance uh, that is supposed to lead you spiritually is the best way to get these new students to that all track? Did that make sense? I know it's a weird sentence. You guys are... As good as it's going to. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. This guy is so fucking nuts that we can't help but either go really yelly right now or really quiet right now. It's it's amazing. Um, so, yeah. So, so they set out to put in this play thing. Uh, at the first performance, he and his people served the audience punch laced with peyote. Just enhanced the effect. The show got decent reviews from the attending press. Uh, it's like reviewing an acid test. I just... Oh, my God. Yeah, why don't you just grab a bus Dose start driving all. around? Yeah, exactly. Dose them all. Yeah. The drugs sort them out. I don't know well, I'm still trying trying to figure out, like, if you got, like, an audience looking at a play... and you dosed them you're, all. You're dosing them with... The drug that is most singularly known for making you throw up. Mm-hmm. I think this is. It's good, definitely going to be a memorable ex- experience. I think there's going to be a lot of throw up going on. It got good reviews. I don't know, man. Uh, well, he he's been known to actually pay for reviews. So <laughs> come on, there. <laughs> I had forgotten that at this point. You're right. That's I, I mean, if a... he's willing to dose the entire fucking audience, he's willing to pay for a couple of people to say, hey, you know what? Here's ten words about how cool it exactly is. Exactly. How do you get peyote in Britain? I, don't I know that's kind of difficult too. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's like you know, you probably had more throw up going on than a hardcore blowjob movie. Mm. Unbelievable. See, that would be more interesting to be paying attention to right well, now. And, and that was just the, <laughs> that was just the first performance. It's a ritual, baby. <laughs> Lean back. Yeah. You wore the appropriate shirt for this. I didn't even think about that. Well done. Uh, so he continues pulling these kind of stunts, but they never work as well again because whatever. Uh, he is quickly becoming the enemy of all that is holy. He is constantly writing lewd poetry, hosting sex parties, summoning demons, and baffling his new followers. The press starts to turn on him, and he is well on his way to becoming the evil man that he is known as today. Most of this comes from his chosen names along the way. The Beast, which his mother kind of gave to him. The Beast 666, the Whore of Babylon, and he even called himself Lucifer for a little while. Uh, He likes all the good people. Yeah, Early goth club kid. Yeah. You know what? I, I can't argue... I, I don't. I can't pick a side on that fight because my uh-huh. nickname, of course. But yeah, I had I had one now or then that is now a movie series. Uh, but anyway, okay, Twilight. Yep, that was it. 
so now we are getting into World War One time. So finally moving along a little bit. There are countless rumors about Crowley actually traveling around during this time on the dime of the British intelligence. In and, other words... And, yeah, being a spy. Yeah, in other words, he's a spy during World War One. This fucking lunatic. Well, if you want military intelligence to run and confuse people with through obfuscation... Uh, fair. You he's know, good hey, at it. He's your dude. This nut job works for us. Yeah, I... No shit. Is it an act? Now we gotta, you know, they'll spend all time. But he's so yeah. unpredictable. Like, seriously. Everything about this is just tinfoil he's hat. He's a fucking spy? It's all tinfoil hat. So, while it is true that he hung out with all kinds of famous folks, from Aldous Huxley to Roald Dahl uh, to Ian Fleming, who was actually a spy, uh, no one can confirm that he was a spy. He wasn't. Fair. He wasn't. There's tons of stories, but I I laid on that side. No. In the end, he no, was not no. a spy. Spy no. agencies do not hire erratic drug addicts. <laughs> it's like not. Or if they do, it's cannon fodder. That's yeah. Here's your ten bucks and your and, and your fix. Or a TV Go show. Go stand in yeah. front of this bullet. Yeah. If yeah. you're if you're the erratic drug addict and you they and they tell you you're the spy, what you are is the fall guy for the real, real spy. spy. That's what's going on there. Because, like, it's it's very difficult to think of, like, confirmed spies who are erratic, crazy people. Yeah, no. They're really not. We covered the Mossad. They were not erratic. They no. were very directed. No. And, and then you've got, like, your weird-ass civilian spies, like, you know, Bill Buckley or Julia Child. These are, like, pretty staid <laughs> individuals, you know? They don't like hiring this sort. It's a sort of... Stupid. Why would you hire that person? <laughs> what do you gain by hiring this person? So is Not Martha much. Stewart Julia Child's protege? I Martha Stewart's a spy? Is that what I mean? Maybe. <laughs> so what does that make Snoop Dogg? Snoop's a spy. <laughs> Fuck! Goddamn Illuminati. Uh, so another theory about where his money was coming from during this time was from another magical order he, order he had joined. The Ordo Templi Orientis, uh, commonly called the OTO. While with the order, he initiated none other than Jack Parsons, the famed rocket scientist who was tutoring L. Ron Hubbard at the time. <sighs> the less said about L. Ron Hubbard, the better. We gotta cover him. He's we absolutely so do incredible. not need to do that unless I'm really Let's fucking have drunk. my own navy. <laughs> But he, look at where he got his fucking ideas. Mountain climbing, sex and drugs magic guy. No, tracks. I'm pretty sure he it was tracks. crazy and came up with a couple of that shit of those things on his own. Wow. So, he then takes to writing novels, moving away from the poetry a little bit, and published Diary of a Drug Fiend, as well as some other stuff. That was a biography. Um, well, many people, many people say it is. An <laughs> autobiography. He says go. that it's not, but most people are like, nah, you did all this shit, you fucking idiot. Um, he also started to pen columns for Vanity Fair. You might as well read Naked Lunch instead. So Vanity Fair will hire the drug-riddled lunatic, but the spies won't. Of course. Um, you've, been, we, you've lived in America long enough to understand <laughs> this, okay? Yeah. Anything that'll make tabloid news. Oh, my God. So he was getting some press as a writer, but still struggling financially, because he'd pretty much run out of all that sweet, sweet beer money. <laughs> Heroin's Which expensive. is just, just so fun to say, sweet, sweet beer money, right? <laughs> In 
1920, he rented a place in Sicily and set up his pseudo-religion there. Yeah, Evidently, he didn't run out of that much of his sweet, sweet beer money. Right? I don't know. Um, ah, I'll bet Sicily was pretty damn cheap in 1920. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, I mean, like, if you got followers paying you, they're paying for the place. It's not like See, Jim Jones ever fucking paid anything. World War One was, what, 1914 to 1918? Sure. But you're literally... Am, am I in the right... Yeah, you're yeah, in the right okay. So, 1920, yeah, it's... Yeah, you can find an apartment pretty fucking cheap anywhere in shredded, yeah. Central but Europe. You're literally in the least respected place of the least of the great powers. But you can still be in France. True. True. No, no, France is like fancier. But like, you're in the cheapest place of, of the least of the great powers. Well, they just ousted their crackpot dictator, right? So. Yeah, I mean, Italy was like. It was probably pretty cheap. Bankrupt at this yeah. point. Yeah. Well, no, 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 because Mussolini is World War Two. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, this is World right. War One. Who was yeah. the crackpot in Italy in World War One? <laughs> well, no, th- that's part of the lead up to uh, World War Two. Is Italy is, uh, you know, just this uh, the armpit of Europe, and that's how Mussolini makes his bones. Is like I'm going to make us the greatest of the European pa- European powers instead of the, <laughs> European, you know. So the European like powers, but you know, you know that's the thing. And, and but like Sicily, like if you're, you know, if you're from Italy, like you know, southern Italy is considered the worst of the worst, and then Sicily is even worse it's than even that. Worse, yeah. You know, that's why Sicilians are so proud. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking survived that. Right. It's like Brooklyn. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like Queens. Um, well, essentially. Uh, According to the Google box, Victor Emmanuel III was the last king of Italy, and his reign brought the end to the... Um, his was the last of the reigns of the Italian monarchy. He was the one that was actually in charge at that point in time. At that point in time. Okay. He died in Egypt. I wonder why that <laughs> is. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> So oh, I mean that was the thing. That's why Italians were considered black. <laughs> so, they were, they were, they yeah. were, they, they were considered they black. Were. Yeah. They were. Um, so when he's in Sicily with this whole pseudo religion setup thing, he's sticking with the same sex and drugs ritual kind of stuff. It was not long before one of his disciples died during a blood ritual. Uh, this shut shut the whole fucking enterprise down, and he's getting the fuck out of Sicily now. As such things were wont to do with blood yep. rituals. If yep. somebody dies, it <laughs> So does. now this is the third body. Uh, well, he shot the two guys dead yeah. in the street, and this is this person. Yeah. yeah so there's, there's some other littered along the way, but they aren't directly tied to him. But yeah. Pretty this rough. Somebody dies in a blood ritual, and you get thrown out of Sicily. <laughs> that's, that's pretty... And when you've got a king in exile, and a country that really is... Fucked up, kind of unstable and destroyed. Yeah, yeah. and you have to w- evacuate. Yeah, that's like rough, man. That's like that's like Bangladesh <laughs> saying they don't want you. You know, I mean, get out of Ecuador. Yeah, <laughs> you're done. So no Burma for you. He keeps this kind of shit up for the next handful of years. He would go from place to place, lead people in his esoteric theories, and get a bit of money, and move on. All the while, continuing to write. In 1929, while in Berlin, he met and married his second wife, Mar- Maria Teresa Ferrari de Miramar. 
Why, you went all the way to Berlin for that name? Yeah, she's not from Berlin. Uh, you think? <laughs> she's from Nicaragua. <laughs> wow! You didn't expect that, did oh, you? Oh, there's a little <laughs> bend to the penis there. That's like... Huh. You meet a Nicaraguan in Germany in, in 1920. 29, yeah. That's a little bit of a feat. <laughs> Something. Uh, she she tired of his shit pretty quickly uh, and left him single again. Uh, but that didn't change anything about how he was behaving. He's still sticking in, in any hole that's available. Um, but she was smarter than the first wife. Uh, who, remember, was committed well, that's... Well, yeah, that's the easiest way to get a divorce, right? <laughs> Especially if you don't like the Catholic Church, which is in charge of fucking everything. Everything. That yep. was like another rich kid thing he did, you know? It was like kind of like the Kennedys there. It is. Uh, actually, thank you. I was going to bring that up, and now I don't have to. So, when the Great Depression rolled in, Crowley decided to get money by suing publishers and the like. Wow, uh, that's a class act. <laughs> His, his shtick is running out, right? Uh, he would fit right in with modern-day United States America fucking mentality yes. in Hollywood. Oh, yes. let's just say it. This guy was sort of like a European Britney Spears. He's... Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. Britney Spears' father, maybe. Britney Spears' father. Free Britney. Uh, anyway. Uh, I'm so, so glad of my ignorance on that subject. We Nothing covered makes it. me proud. We covered it. No, her current travails. We I don't know. Covered it. <laughs> it started up again. It started up again. I, I know it started up. It's it, like she won the court case that she's supposedly going to be. Okay, let's shut up. She about is it. the new Madonna for you. I get it. Okay, I'm, can we just let that go? And no, Miley's the new Madonna. But anyway, um, where was I? Sinking lower. Pressure rules in. <laughs> he's going to sue people. Uh, no one would stand up for him at these trials, and he ended up losing what little money he had left. Supposedly, supposedly some woman thought it would help if she had his kid, so she offered to do so. Uh, he took her up on the offer. Uh, although this was most probably not his first child outside of marriage, this one was the first one out in the open. Okay. Sounds so, like somebody was looking for a green card. Uh-huh. It's... Okay, I, I, I just... I, no, I can't I, make any logic out of it. I can't help you. Can't it's you want to be a baby daddy? I want to be a baby mama. So can we have no responsibilities whatsoever and treat the child like shit? Sounds like plan. Let's do it. Oh my god! For fuck's sake! So he continues to run about fucking everybody he can. Uh, Many of them mildly famous, as well as hobnobbing with the artsy people in society. He ended up in a relationship with Frida Harris, a married woman and watercolor painter who would go on to paint the works used in the tarot deck he had designed. So The Golden Dawn tarot deck? Yeah, yeah his tarot deck. Um, That's not the Golden Dawn one. No, it's not. It's, it's the Crowley one. And it's, okay. The watercolors are by a married woman he was fucking. Um, anyhow, uh, with, the, with this, uh, with his continued poor health, he had become addicted to heroin after many years of being prescribed the drug. He was constantly poor and living with friends. He ended up hanging out with John Simons who convinced Crowley to let him take down stories about his life for a biography. He named Simons another, and another follower, Kenneth Grant, as his literary heirs and executioners of his, at his health... Cont- and ex- executors. Executors. Yeah, that, thank you. 
and executors of his health care to, yeah. Had power of attorney yeah. and medical license to yeah. make decisions for him. Got it. Um, okay. Thank you. So on December 1st, 1947, Crowley died in a hotel in Hastings, not Nebraska, uh, from bronchitis and heart congestion. He was cremated, and his ashes have been reportedly lost. I'm, no, he's a mannequin piss I'm not somewhere. really heard about that. <laughs> he's a mannequin piss somewhere. That's what it is. It's my dream, you fucker. Uh, so Crowley's memory saw a resurgence in the 1960s as spiritualism saw a rise, and it's continued to be revisited, revisited for all of the decades since. He may have been a bit of a madman, <laughs> but he has also influenced almost every modern religion or spiritual path since his death. He has certainly captured the hearts and minds of musicians, writers, and creators of all kinds. Um, and will probably live on in history as one of the grandfathers of the New Age spirituality and a cultural icon. And that is, wow. End of that dude. Uh, total poverty in the end, apparently. It was like literally a poor home kind of hotel that he was living in, from what I understand. Good. Yeah. Earned it. Fucking Which is it. kind of fucking stupid, because I just pulled it up, and in what he was worth back then is $14 million in today's in today's Jeez. money. When he dropped dead, he was worth fourteen million in today's money. His net worth over his lifetime. Oh, uh, when he, when he had that well, money. still, I mean, come on. If you had two million dollars, you would fucking be happy as shit. Yeah, but no, no. Yeah, I'm talking about when he died. He wasn't worth. He was worth no diddly squat. Right. But right. that's that's what you know. What does it take to go through fourteen million dollars by what age? I don't fucking know. Um, Fifteen forty-seven and. I'm actually surprised because, like... 1875, so that's a decent life. That's like 75 years? Yeah. You would go through $14 so, million in yeah. today's dollars yeah. way quicker than this guy did. Yeah. I mean, but up the mountains and self-publishing all the way books. Way quicker. And, way quicker. And, but that's the thing. If you always <coughs> think that that money's going to be there, you always treat it like it's going to be there. And he did. If you know that this is what <laughs> what's happening here, this is all I'm ever going to fucking have, maybe I want to plan for some other shit, and I'm not going to fucking go try to climb some damn mountain. Take it a little easy. Let's buy a caravan, right? Yeah, maybe live to 80. <laughs> Invest in a shipping company. So, <laughs> so the guy, clearly, fucking batshit. Um, although, wow, he really packed his early, his first, like, 30-some years unbelievable amount of things up and down mountains and all of that like really packed life in there and I give him credit for that but he's a fucking crackpot he's just looney toony and was although by being looney toony he has like I said influenced pretty much every modern religion since him cites him in some way uh, so influential crackpot but a crackpot nonetheless but when we started this out I do what thou wilt, and it be the whole of the law. It's been perverted over, you know, the last century into what I know it to be today. But it still stems from his ideas. And one of the things that I respected was that he had philosophy and faith built in together. And while you don't, don't fucking listen to everything that he said, but understand where he was coming from, you, you don't have to take a bunch of fucking heroin, coke, opium. Um, you, you don't have to do all of the things. You don't have to be one of those triers. Try everything, guys. 
but he did have some pretty interesting insights. And it kind of helped shape some of the stuff that I do. You know, it's uh, when it comes to, you know, summoning demons. Well, you know what? Mm. Who, who, it, it doesn't matter if it's a demon you're summoning. But I'll tell you what, if you put nothing but negative energy into something, you're going to get negative responses. If all you think about is bad shit, you're going to have bad shit happen in your life. Because you're not trying to move forward. You're not trying to look at positive. You're not trying to grow in any way. So if you do nothing but have blood, sex, drug orgies in foreign countries on top of mountains and whatever, you know, you're, you're bound to run into some issues. <laughs> but if you want to start looking at your life in a different manner, go ahead, look at all the information and apply to your life what is acceptable to you. And I think that Crowley helps people still do that to this day. I have no use for this guy. He was a typical, like, really spoiled rich kid who was, like, annoying. This sounds like something that friends do. Well, I thought we were friends. I'm extremely uncomfortable with that. I know. From the beginning of...